0: This morning, we come to the end of our series looking at Paul's letter to the Philippian Christians. And as we do that, we come to a verse that could surely sell a thousand books and self help courses. And that's verse 12. Let me just read that for us. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. Again, it's amazing that Paul should keep such a statement as this to the very end of his letter. Any modern-day marketing consultant would have had this emblazoned as the front cover of it. The secret of contentment in any and every situation by Paul of Tarsus. And I don't know about you whether what your reaction is to self-help books and self-help gurus, whether you're convinced by them, whether you're deeply cynical about them. But we live in a time when self-help books sell very well. Books like um, Paul McKenna's range, I can make you thin, I can make you rich, I can make you you happy, Paul McKenna says. And perhaps it's unsurprising that those books do sell well. They've got titles that promise so much. And how many people actually read those books once they've bought them, how many people are actually satisfied by them is another question. And there was a film that came out a few years ago um, entitled Donnie Darko. A bit of a bizarre movie, but, but yeah, worth watching. Very moving film. And in it, there's a character played by Patrick Swayze who is a self-help guru. And for him, all of life boils down to one of either two things. Either you live according to love or you live according to fear. And he very carefully never clarifies what he means by those things. But he claims the closer you get on the line of your experience to love, the happier, more content you will be. And Patrick Sworthy plays the character brilliantly, sort of with slick black hair, crisp suits, speaking to auditoriums packed with people. What he offers people in the film is happiness, is contentment. And that is deeply attractive to all of us. And on a good day, it is quite easy actually to make fun of self-help books and self-help gurus. But when we're facing challenges in our lives, when things aren't going well, when we're anxious about something, then actually books like these become a lot more appealing. For example, when I was engaged, I suddenly developed a great personal interest in books on marriage and how to make your marriage a good one. So, I read lots of books on the topic, and that's why I'm such a great husband today. Or when our son Noah was born, I discovered again a great personal interest in books on parenting, on how to cope with young children. See, we all face situations in our lives and we feel we need all the help we can get. And so, self help books seem like they offer that to us, some of them are helpful. But is that what Paul is offering us here in this closing section of Philippians? Is he presenting this bit of the letter as sort of a manual for us to turn to when we're feeling anxious? Could we read Paul's letter to Philippians as a self-help book? Well, if we're coming to this letter looking for sort of a five-step program to contentment, then we're going to be disappointed. Because the secret of being content in any and every situation cannot simply be taken off the shelf and applied to us when we need it. See, Paul nowhere presents that contentment to us as something we can achieve for ourselves or as the guaranteed outcome of anyone who reads his letter. And in fact, as some people have pointed out to me over the years, Paul doesn't even spell out exactly what that secret of contentment is at this point in the letter. We need to read the whole letter to understand what Paul is saying and more than that Paul says we need to encounter the person Paul attributes his contentment to in verse 12 so let me just read verse 13 for us I can do everything through him who gives me strength see Paul isn't introducing a five step program to contentment here Paul is introducing us To a person. To the only person who can give us contentment. To the only person who can give us joy in our lives. See, Paul wanted to see Jesus Christ. The him through whom Paul finds strength. The Jesus who can sustain him through every situation. That's been Paul's desire throughout this letter. We've seen that. But it's undimmed as he reached the end of the letter. Now, I've entitled this morning's sermon, The Secret of Joy, even though what verse 12 actually refers to is The Secret of Being Content. And I chose that title partly because it fits with all the other titles, but, but, but also because I believe that the contentment Paul refers to here is a vital component to discovering what it means to find joy in the Lord. Again, that refrain throughout the letter, Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice. Now, contentment and joy, they're not quite the same thing. And I believe Paul's very deliberate in urging Christians to rejoice in the Lord, not simply to be content in the Lord. Again, contentment perhaps is just a bit too calm for Paul as a response to the grace and mercy of Jesus. But alongside the joy Paul calls us to, Paul also calls us to find contentment in knowing Jesus in any and every situation. Because that contentment will feed into our experience of joy in knowing that Jesus is with us whatever situation we find ourselves in. That he can strengthen us and sustain us whatever our circumstances. Because let's be honest, experiencing joy in knowing Jesus can sometimes feel a long way off from our own Experience, And I, for one, am grateful to Paul for providing the signpost of contentment to direct me to finding joy in the Lord. Again, it's a, it's a strange privilege you get um, when you work for a church. You get to choose which bits of the Bible we look at on Sundays. And I wanted to spend time in this great letter on joy in the Christian life, largely because joy so often feels far away from my own experience as a Christian. And I have to confess that I often come to Paul in this letter in the way that someone comes to Paul McKenna or Patrick Swayze in Donnie Darko. I I want to experience a greater joy in knowing Jesus. And I want Paul to take me by the hand and show me how I can do that. But you see, again and again in this letter, Paul refuses the role I want to give him as a self-help guru and instead he points me to the one person paul is, has absolute confidence can give me the joy i long for and the joy that actually paul calls every single christian to paul wants to take me by the hand and point me to jesus the only person worth following the only person worth rejoicing in in this world So, as we reach the end of this letter today, what more does Paul have to say to us about joy in the Christian life? And how can we learn that secret of contentment that Paul learned, a contentment that will feed in to our joy in knowing the Lord? And again, we've seen time and again in Philippians that this is Paul writing at his most personal. Paul keeps using his own relationship with Jesus, his own experiences to help us and encourage us to find joy in the Lord. And he does the same thing here in the closing section of his letter. Paul turns his attention to thanking the Philippian Christians for their generous gifts to him while he's been in prison in Rome. And as he does that, he seeks to encourage them using his own life as an example. And he wants the Philippians to know something. He wants them to know that whatever their situation in life is, God's purposes for them are good good. Let me just read verses 10 to 11. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no, no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You see, Paul knows the Philippian Christians have been anxious about him while he's been in prison. And he knows they've been frustrated that they haven't been able to help him More so, Paul wants to reassure them here. Paul assures them he hasn't felt in need without their gifts because God has enabled him to trust in His good purposes for Paul's life, even while he has been in prison. And Paul says, "I have learnt to be content, whatever the circumstances." Again, we just need to remember again what his circumstances were in prison in Rome awaiting trial before Caesar that could result in Paul's execution. But Paul's convinced. He has learnt to be content with that. And that is a remarkable claim for anyone to make. Again, I don't know about you, but, but I long for that sort of resilient contentment in my life. My natural position, default position, is to feel discontented with my responsibilities, with with pressures from work or family, to feel discontented with myself. My natural instinct is to grumble and complain. Again, And as, as Vanessa led us through that time, I just struck chords that, that I say to myself, if just one thing changed, if that one responsibility just went away, if that one person was a little nicer to me, if I just had that little bit more money, then, God, I would be content. But if my situation won't change, then then you can't ask that of me. You can't ask me to be content. See, my contentment is dependent on how well things are going in my life. Paul's contentment, he tells us, endures in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And you see why I want to learn that secret of contentment? Why, in a sense, we all do. Now, now it's clear from the rest of this letter that, that by contentment, Paul doesn't mean just resign yourself to the way things are. There are plenty of times in this letter that Paul refuses to resign himself to the way things are. Last week we saw in chapter 4, he refuses to allow two Christian women, he knows, to go on disagreeing with each other. He pleads with them to agree with each other in the Lord. And similarly, we shouldn't just resign ourselves to to broken relationships in our church or, or to sin in our church. That's not what Paul is saying here. We should treat one another with the grace we've received from God. We do not resign ourselves to broken relationships. And in chapter 3, verse 10, when Paul shares the driving force of his life, that driving force comes in a sense from a sense of discontentment. Chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. In a very real sense, Paul is not content with what he knows of Christ. He wants to know more. He wants his relationship with Jesus to grow and mature. So see, there are aspects of our lives as Christians that we shouldn't be contented with. But when Paul talks about contentment in verses 11 and 12, he is talking about learning to be content in the situation in life that God has placed you in. Learn to be content in the situation God has placed you in. Paul's situation in life when he wrote this letter was in prison in Rome. And he learned to be content with that. Your situation in life may be very different, but Paul believes that we, like him, can learn the secret of contentment, whatever situation we're in, because Christ is able to strengthen and sustain us, whatever that situation. Verses 12 to 13 again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now verse 13 is a wonderful verse. It's a glorious verse. But it is open to misinterpretation. Again, I've heard that verse used by Christians over the years to claim that there is no limit to what they can do through Jesus. So a Christian I knew once could not sing. He could not hold a note, but he quoted this verse to claim to me that he could. I can do everything through him. He gives me strength. I can sing. But he couldn't. He's not here, so it's alright to say that. But when we look at verse 13 in the context of Philippians, it cannot mean that there are no limits to what we can do. There are limits to what we do through Jesus. For example, Paul is still in prison. He cannot free himself. He can do everything through Jesus. to gives him strength in that situation. But he cannot necessarily change that situation. What Paul is claiming here is that God can give you contentment. Christ can strengthen you to persevere and to find joy in persevering in the situation you find yourself in. See, we need to listen to Paul here because... God will not always change your situation. God's good purposes in Paul's life at this stage in his life was for him to remain under house arrest. And God's good purposes for your life at this stage in your life may well be for you to remain in the situation you are in with all the frustrations and struggles and difficulties that involves Again, we thought at the beginning of this series about situations in our lives that could be likened to Paul's time in prison. There are many difficult situations we find ourselves in. Maybe we find ourselves in a difficult marriage. Or we are struggling with singleness. We find family life just just draining. Or we have a job that, that, that frustrates us. There are so many situations that we would long for God to change. And we feel that's the only way we'll find contentment. Change my situation, Lord, and then I will rejoice in you. But from his own experience, Paul is telling us here, God might not change your situation. He doesn't promise to do that. What he does promise is that through Christ you will be strengthened to endure that situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength, says Paul. But what if that just sounds impossible? What if that just sounds like a level of trust in God that maybe Paul had and and great for Paul, but I could never gain that level of trust in God's purposes for me. Well, if that is how you react to verse 13, be encouraged by verses 11 and 12 again. Because Paul did not gain that level of trust in the Lord overnight. Verse 11, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And again, verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. See, the contentment Paul describes here did not come naturally to him. He had to learn it. God didn't just zap Paul with this contentment on the road to Damascus. Paul had to learn this contentment over the course of his life with Jesus. And that's how it works for us as well. Again, all too often in the past, I've, I've read Paul here and I've just concluded, well, that must have been Paul's particular gift And I could never have that gift. But you see, the same Jesus who taught Paul contentment over the years wants to teach me the same lesson. The same Jesus who who taught Paul how to trust in him wants to teach you that lesson today. And we need to learn from Paul here. That doesn't come overnight. That takes time. And there will be plenty of times of uncertainty and questioning and doubt in the process. But surely that secret of contentment is worth learning. Surely it's worth remaining with Jesus to learn that contentment. Because, see, the Bible's clear. Every Christian, no matter how old, is a disciple of Jesus Christ. We are followers of Jesus and we are called to learn from him. So if you're a Christian here this morning, Jesus calls you to pick up your cross daily and follow him. The life of the Christian is the life of discipleship. And Jesus has things we need to learn every day of our lives. Sometimes you will need to relearn old lessons that you keep forgetting about yourself, maybe about your sinfulness. About God's grace, about God's faithfulness to us in our weakness. Or maybe God has new insights to open up to you, things you've never grasped about His character that suddenly will become clear to you. But every day we are called to learn from Jesus. See, if you're a Christian here, you're a disciple, you're a student of God's grace, and you will always be a student of God's grace you don't graduate you don't reach the time when you don't need to learn more about who Christ is he has things to teach us and he wants us to learn to trust in him but if all that sounds cold or impersonal that sounds like just some sort of cosmic classroom where God has things to meet down to us We need to see that when Christ teaches us about finding contentment in him, he does so in the context of a loving relationship and his steadfast commitment to us. As I read over verse 12 this week, I couldn't help seeing parallels with, with modern day marriage vows. And Paul writes, In any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in wants, You can almost add to that for better, for worse for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health. When I listen to those promises repeated at weddings I'm always slightly amazed that the bride and groom can say yes to them. Because those are terrifying promises. They they sort of demand a a daunting level of commitment from two sinful people. How can they say yes to that? And similarly, for Paul, how can he claim to be content in any and every situation when he doesn't know what the future holds for him? Well, I believe that for Paul, just as with any married couple, we can keep the promise we make. We can find contentment one day at a time. Again, for a married couple, they've got to see it like that. Today, I will love my wife. Today, I will I will be faithful to her. Today, I will love my husband. Today, I will stick with him, even in frustrating times. And for us, today, I will follow Jesus. Today, I will trust in him. Jesus doesn't expect you to be ready for any and every situation you may face. We don't know what the future holds. If we did, it might terrify us. What Jesus does call us to is to trust in his purposes today. He will guide you into the future. All he asks of you is to follow him and find your strength through him. The contentment Paul describes here doesn't come overnight. We learn it over time if we are willing to follow Jesus today. So, if, if following Christ is the key to learning the secret of contentment, then the following implication is clear. Whatever your situation, depend on Christ's resources and not your own. And we need to see that. The only way we can learn contentment is through a daily dependence on Christ and the resources he gives us. You can look at verse 19 in this passage here. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. See, Paul says there there are riches in knowing Jesus and we need to depend on them if we're going to find contentment and joy. We simply do not have the resources to find it anywhere else. Because you see, in Paul's day, there were plenty of philosophers and teachers who promised the secret of contentment. The Stoics, for example, taught you you could become completely independent of your external circumstances if you only were disciplined enough. They promised contentment in any and every situation, very similarly to Paul. But that's why verse 13 is so important to us. Because the goal for the Stoic was to become self-sufficient. The goal for the Christian is to depend completely on christ it's only through christ's strength we can live for him we can speak for him we can trust in him and find joy in him we need to depend on christ's resources and not our own nothing else the world offers us can deliver the contentment we long for And there's a, there's a powerful scene at the end of that film I referred to earlier, Donnie Darko. And at the end of the film, the camera visits each of the main characters in the early hours of the morning. And some are sleeping, some are awake. And one of the characters we visit is that self-help guru played by Patrick Swayze. And every time we've seen him in the film, he has been so confident, so in control... But in that closing scene, the last time we see him, he's sitting on the edge of his bed, crying uncontrollably. See, for all the appearance he had, that he had found contentment. For all the appearance he presented, that he had found happiness. He didn't have the answers, any more than any of us. It was such a powerful image of human pride laid low. See, don't believe what the world tells you. You will not find contentment anywhere apart from in Christ. He is the one who can give us joy and contentment. So in verse 19, Paul closes his letter with a confident assertion that my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. But he does want to leave us just with an abstract sense of that, because he actually gives us a concrete example of how God does that. Paul leaves us with the idea, with the advice, basically, that whatever your situation in life, take comfort from God's people. So you can't read over the last bit Philippians, without seeing that for Paul it was a precious thing to belong to God's people. He thanks the Philippians for their gifts. He sends them greetings. And he sends them greetings from other Christians who he knows, including those who belong to Caesar's household, 1st 22. Maybe those believers who came to faith through Paul's witness while in chains. See, Paul says, my God will meet all your needs in Christ Jesus. And a key way in which he does that It's through the love and care of God's people. Again, there may be times in your Christian life when you will be isolated from other Christians. You will need to stand alone for Jesus. But the New Testament's clear. Those times will be the minority. Even Paul in prison takes comfort from other believers. He meets with other believers while under house arrest. Paul says it is a precious thing to belong to God's people. So take comfort in that. It is part of the ways that God meets our needs. So relish that. Rejoice in that, Paul says. And I've already shared a little about how rejoicing in the Lord often feels like a real struggle for me. It certainly has done in recent months. And again and again, in preparing for this series on Philippians, I've just been struck by the irony sitting at my my desk that I'm going to be preaching about joy in the Lord when that feels so far away from my day-to-day knowledge of Jesus. But that is where God's people have come in. And over recent months, other Christians, both inside this church and outside it, have have talked to me and have listened to me and have prayed for me in such a way that I actually have found insights into that joy in the Lord that I would not have gained without their help. Again, rejoicing in the Lord is not something we do boldly on our own. It's not to preserve a godly, brave Christian to make it on their own, to find the secret sitting in a room and then to be happy and satisfied with it. We will only find contentment and joy in the Lord while we are living out our relationship with Jesus with one another. Paul in prison still met with other Christians because it's a privilege, because God meets our needs often through one another. And we should pray that as a church, God would use us As individuals, he would use us to meet the needs of others because then, in turn, our needs can be met by God's grace through other believers who perhaps have struggled in similar ways, who perhaps just can pray for us when we cannot pray for ourselves. It is a privilege to belong to God's people, Paul says. Take comfort from that. So we've reached the end of the letter to the Philippians here. And what have we learnt from this letter? Again, there, there's so much we could say, but let me just summarize the message of Philippians for us like this. If you are in Christ today, if you are trusting in Jesus to make you right with God, then you can find joy. In knowing him, whatever your outward circumstances, even Paul assures us in the midst of suffering and question and frustration. And if you are in Christ today, there are riches to be uncovered in knowing him. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Paul knows so much already, but he's not satisfied because he knows there is so much more to learn. And the same is true of us. Jesus has things to teach you, even today, about his grace, his faithfulness, his goodness. So learn from him. And if you are in Christ, you've not been called to trust in him alone. You've been called into the community of his people. So take comfort from that. And know that God will meet your needs through the sacrificial love of one another. Paul says we can rejoice in the Lord. Because the Lord is good. The Lord is awesome. The Lord has things to teach us. And the Lord has given us everything we need, including one another.